0: Okay, John chapter 10, it's the fourth gospel. And uh, this is going to be a miracle, what's going to happen next. (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 1, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is the figure of speech that Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I I love how God is doing some incredible things, uh, even in our church. How many of you have said? and the sense of God speaking into destiny, speaking into purpose, speaking into our incredible influence that we can have as the people of God in the kingdom. It's just being incredible. How many of you know God has got a specific destiny for you? That he's got some incredible plans specifically tailor-made just for you, and the world is waiting for that. Isn't that incredible? The world is waiting for you. And uh, I, I love how very often when I hear sermons about destiny, and stepping out into the purposes of God. When I hear sermons about fulfilling the purposes of God, they're very often, it's destiny-orientated or or goal-orientated, not journey-orientated. In in the West, uh, or in Africa, if there's anything I've learned about Africans, because I am from Africa, obviously, is that we're really not interested in the destiny. It's all about the journey for us. It's like, let's just go on a journey, and uh, we will get there at some point, um, but uh, if we need to stop for a cup of tea with a friend, we'll do that. For us, it's all about the journey. And uh, the time doesn't really matter, or when we need to get there doesn't really matter. It's like, let's just enjoy the journey. And I find that in the West, it's exactly the opposite. Everything's about making sure you're on time, at the right time, in the right place, getting to the destiny quickly. I've even discovered with my... Um, my satellite navigation system, that I often am so used to getting into the car, checking out my sat-nav, making sure I can hear the voice loud enough, and I'm turning, doing what I need to do, that I miss the whole landscape and miss all of the landmarks and miss all of the beauty along the journey just so I can get to the destination quickly. And for many of us, we can be so focused on our destiny, so focused on the end point, that we miss the fact that God's interested in a journey with you. He's interested in leading you. He's interested in taking you some places. And the number one question that I often get asked, particularly because I do prophetic ministry, is how do I know God's voice in the season of transition? How do I know God's voice in moving from one place to the next? And this morning, I'm going to trust God that something, this afternoon, trust God that something of his purposes will be unlocked in the scripture for you, so that you can discover that God is interested in the journey that he has with you as much as he is in the destination and the destination he's called you to. Amen. And when we begin to understand that, this Christian life becomes a whole lot more abundant. The promise is abundant life. The promise is ever, ever increasing, ever life. Uh, the kind of life that looks good, feels good and is good. That's what you and I will call to. That's what you and I... Uh, God, that's what Jesus has paid for, for you. Abundant life. And um, I love these verses that we've just read because it, it helps us understand something of the way that Jesus wants to lead us. And uh, John's writing this book. John's an incredible guy. He's an apostle who who writes um, with a great sense of prophetic nuance. And often what he writes is veiled And it's meant to bring back memories of other things in the Bible. And so very often you'll see imagery. So like, for example, the book of John starts off in the beginning. It's meant to help kickstart your memory to the book of Genesis because the very first verse in Genesis is in the beginning. And even so, this verse that we're reading where Jesus is talking is meant to help unlock our memory about other things in the Bible too. So Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. When he says that, the first thing, I don't know about you, that I think of is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me into pastures green. I love that. I love that. I love that. the whole sense of he is my shepherd. And and not only that, John's wanting us to remember that all of history past in, in Israel's history was governed by leaders who God called Shepherd leaders or shepherd kings. So so Moses was a shepherd. The Bible talks about Ezekiel, about bad shepherds who are leading his people. And of course, there's the epitome of all shepherds in the Old Testament was David. He was this incredible shepherd kin, right? Who ushered in a whole new kingdom, who ushered in a whole new rule and a whole new reign, so that God's kingdom could be seen all over the earth. It's an incredible thought. And God says. Christ in this verse, the Lord says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I love that. I am the good shepherd. And it's incredible when you begin to understand that God wants to lead us into good things. That God wants to lead us into abundant life. He wants to lead us into a place of green pastures where we get to enjoy everything that he's given us. I'm going to say amen to that point because I certainly want that. Often we read this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and we think, oh, that's lovely, and in the world of many different choices, many different opportunities to choose what we want, in the world where there are many different voices vying for our attention, materialism, power, worldliness, all that kind of stuff. We can kind of read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, as if he's one of our choices and we've chosen him. But actually the reality is when you understand the role of a shepherd in the Old Testament, you realize that shepherds would lead the sheep into a place of the wilderness where there was nothing to fend for them. There was no way they could get food. There was no way they could be protected. There was no way that they could uh, do anything or even find their way home apart from the shepherd. And so when David, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he's not saying, oh, the Lord's my shepherd and I'm so really glad that he gets to lead me. He's going, I don't have any other option but him. Therefore, I'm not in want for anything else except him. And there's something about our heart attitude that needs to get to that place where the voices of the world do not vie for our attention because they cannot lead us. They cannot get us to where we need to be. They cannot feed us. They cannot protect us. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've got no other option. It's only him. That's it. Wonderful. When you begin to realize that he is a good shepherd and he wants to lead you into Pasha's dream, he wants to take you into places where you get fed, where your soul gets nourished, you begin to realize that he's got specific plans for you And it's not that hard to follow him. The reason is, you were designed and created to hear his voice. You know, one of the things I love about this text is, what was happening in the Middle East, and in this particular text, is the, the shepherd would come and fetch from sheep early in the morning, take them out, and they would be met by loads of other shepherds with loads of sheep. And there'd be bottlenecks and sheep jams. Um and, and and you'd have to try and navigate that. And the way that they would navigate was not by taking a stick and hitting the sheep, saying, Come on, get into the right one. No, no, that's not my that's not your sheep, that's mine. It wasn't like that. It was no shoo shoo, come, keep going. No, it was very simple. It was just a sound that they would make by calling their name. And you'll see this today, even in the Middle East, sheep will follow the sound of the shepherd's voice, because it's tailor made from sheep to shepherd. And the reality is you've got an internal voice recognition system. It's inbuilt in you. And do you know how come you recognize his voice? Because he's been calling your name for all eternity. bazooka. (laughs) He's been calling out your name. This is a relational thing, not a functional thing. And he's been calling you from eternity past and he'll continue to call your name to eternity future. It's inbuilt right on the inside of you. It's it, it, You're designed to go, ah, that's his voice. And the way you recognize his voice is not simply by the frequency of his voice, but by the character of his voice. You see, he says here, I lay down my life for the sheep. It's an incredible thought. And actually, it's, it's a beautiful picture because what would happen is that when they would get into the wilderness, a shepherd would build a pen, and he'd build it out of stones that were sharp. He'd put some thorns and stuff so no one could get in. No no uh, uh, animal could jump over and get in. And there'd be an entrance point where the sheep could go in and out. And at night, what the shepherd would do is lay down his life at the entrance point so that he would be the protection barrier between anything that would try and come in and steal, kill, or to destroy. You see, the character of Jesus is that he's really good. The character, the way you recognize his voice is that it echoes with the sound of the Father's goodness. Jesus says a little bit later in this verse that because I'm known by the Father, I know you. And even as I'm known by the Father, you know me. What he was saying, brothers and sisters, is so beautifully saying, as I am known by the Father in deep intimacy, in deep fellowship, in deep union, so I know you. And because you know me in deep intimacy, union, and fellowship, you now know the Father. You see, when you're trying to make decisions about stepping into the purposes of God, when you're trying to move from one place to the next, when you're trying to figure out what's this going to look like for my family, how do I make this decision to step into the purposes of God, it will carry the echoes of the Father's goodness. And when you're looking to make a decision about what you need to do or how you need to do it, you need to ask yourself this question, what does the goodness of Jesus look like in this situation? When you don't know the way forward, look for, for his goodness. Look for the places where his goodness is on display and follow his goodness because he is a good shepherd. He's really good. And even though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Listen, the reality is, brothers and sisters, catch and I this year, we've been in the valleys of the shadow of death. We've sensed and known what it feels like. Thank God it's only a shadow. Because death has been beaten. Death has lost its skin. And even though I feel like there's a shadow that's over me, I can still see that the one who's leading me is good. And even if I can't see him, I can hear him. Yes, yes, Even in the midst of crazy boozy and stuff that's happening around, I can hear him. Yes. Brothers and sisters, following a good shepherd is easy. And sometimes we make our destiny so intense, we ask so many questions that we miss the point that you have an inbuilt God's voice recognition system and that he wants to lead you. And the great thing about his leadership is that he leads us to good places. He doesn't lead us to bad places. And I love I love the freedom that's expressed in this verse. He says, I lay out my life so that she can go in and come out. It's not to protect you from this bad, ugly world, it's not to keep you from this bad, ugly world. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, he's saying I'm a king like David. I'm a shepherd king, and my kingdom is advancing, so you get to come and go as you please. He's a good shepherd, and so he's going to make sure that the places he leads you, he'll protect and guide you to so that it benefits and blesses you. He's really that good. The last thing I want to say about this is that Jesus leads us into true life. The Bible says here that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. If ever I have looked for a theological point to hand the goodness of God on, this is the verse for it. Thieves come and steal, to destroy, to kill. But Jesus says, I have come to give life. And life in its abundance. This phrase, life and life in its abundance, literally means... I've come to bring the life of the age to come, what heaven looks like, and I've come to bring that to you like a well that springs up in you and from you. uh, Sheikah, I mean, this is like really good. The life of the age to come, heaven in its perfection, heaven in its beauty, heaven in its glory has come to us right now, dwells in us and flows from us. You see, discovering your destiny has got less about trekking and walking and going somewhere and more about realising what's on the inside of you. Friends, the life of the age to come, the reason we celebrated Resurrection Sunday is not only is it a historical fact that Jesus is raised from the dead, but the truth is, that because he is raised from the dead, the age to come, the reality of a glorified man in heaven is now breaking out on us and making all things new. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? Because the age to come is at work in me right now. And if it ain't good, it's not the end yet. If it doesn't end in pastures green, it's not the end yet. If it doesn't end with he prepares the table for me in the presence of my enemy, it's not the end yet. Because He's good. He's good. I want to end just very simply with this reality. is that the joy of being led by Jesus in our journey towards our destiny is not that we don't go through stuff, because we all do. The joy is that we get to hear his voice in the midst of it all. And he leads us into the effervescent flow of life that comes. You know, I love this picture by taking a leap of faith. Um, And the reason I love it is because the Bible calls us to live by faith. And and faith's the only way that the Christian life works. It doesn't work through calculation. It doesn't work through trying to join the dots. Faith is stepping out into the impossible. And the Bible says that faith comes by yearing and yearing the word of God. It's in Romans. It says that. And we often think that if I read the Bible, if I read more of the word, then I'll get more faith. That's not what that verse is saying, although that is good for you. What that verse is saying, that word is the word rhema, which means the freshly spoken living word of God to me and my situation. In other words, if I'm going to discover destiny, if I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God in my life, I have got to hear his freshly spoken living word every single day because if I can hear it, faith is produced and I get to do the impossible and take steps of radical faith. God has called you to abundant life. This is my for real life point. (laughs) Last week, two weeks ago, Simon preached about finance and he used the example of, of the rich young ruler who came and said, um, you know, it, what do I need to do to be saved and, or inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, go and sell everything that you have and you'll inherit eternal life. And he couldn't do the math. He couldn't work it out. Like actually the reality is in giving, you're going to get a much higher reality. You're going to get a much higher return and you're going to get eternal life. The life, the abundant Zoe kind of life that I'm talking about. The kind of life that provides. And often when we think of abundance, we think of things, don't we? That's not what the Bible talks about when it comes to eternal life. Those things are added. <laughs> but when he's talking about abundant life, he's talking about the life of resurrection power that lifted the dead body of Jesus at work in us right now. And this man missed out on a phenomenal inheritance that will make him far wealthier than any of his riches could have accumulated. Can I just say this very quickly? This just for free. Giving away your money is the best thing you can do. I'm going to say amen. Because God happens to own the whole world. So you can't outgive him. That Sunday that Simon preached, we wrote a check for um, an amount of money uh, and we trusted God, my wife and I. She said, Give the higher amount. I was like, Oh, I need to test that one. <laughs> we gave the higher amount. Monday morning, through the post, another check comes for that exact same amount. You can't outgive God. But like, I'm like, stepping out your faith. Here's the point. When you live with the perspective of the age to come at work in you now, everything is possible. And that man would have got a whole lot more if he realised that eternal life was not just about things. It was about heaven at work in you right now. And some of you might be facing places where you're saying, I feel like I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. This word that Carol brought was just so right. You feel like are in a place of despair. You feel like, how do I cross over? I want to encourage you. Today, God's going to bring some radical freedom. It's just gone five past one and I know some of you are going to go get parents right now. Is that right? Is that a good time? Sorry? We've got one more minute. One more minute. <laughs> one more minute. Um, can I encourage you? We're going to spend some moments just, in, just right now believing God for some breakthroughs. And, and I want to ask you to ask God for tangible breakthroughs. Sometimes we use that word breakthrough for a cover-all. But I want, if, if there's specific financial needs that you need breakthrough for, say, God, I need 10,000 pounds for this thing. Some of you are like, 10,000 pounds? He's that good. The word good, yeah, says I'm the good shepherd, is not a moralistic word. It's not some surgical definition of good. It actually means the word to make things beautiful or to compel them to be beautiful. When God says, I'm the good shepherd, he's saying, because I'm good, I'm compelling you to a life of beauty. That's what it means to be a good shepherd. He leads you into beauty. That's why Ecclesiastes says he makes all things beautiful in its time. And right now, some of you are facing big decisions, you're facing obstacles, you're saying, God, will I get the breakthrough? Your mass is not going to cut it. But his leadership will. His voice will.